Welcome back to Obscura Broadcasting Company's podcast, Famous Last Words. This is Teresa, and we are doing 31 Days of Horror, and we actually have Andrew on the phone because he is in the faraway land of Texas right now. Hola from Texas. <laughs> what movie are we talking about, Andrew? Today we're talking about, from 1981, An American Werewolf in London. This movie is somewhat of an enigma to me because it's directed by John Landis, who is, of course, known for Animal House and other kind of screwball comedies. But this movie is, like, sneaky. I, I thought this movie was really, really sneaky in its delivery because there is some kind of, like, screwball comedy in the beginning or, like, two dopey guys at the beginning. And they're kind of give, like, over-exaggerated performances. But then it, like, takes a left turn. And then it goes down a different path. And then at the end of that path, it takes another left turn. I thought this movie was really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that because I had seen this movie, you know, a while ago as a youth. And I didn't know how you'd feel about it because I remember it being kind of comedic, but not all the way. And you're right, like rewatching it again, you know, like the ending is incredibly dark. And I kind of like forget about that. Yeah, the so the spoiler alert, the ending, David, uh, the main character, David, uh, dies. He, he, he is shot by police, uh, played by David Naughton, but he's shot by the police just when you think he's going to uh, either kind of be able to control his animal side or not. But it, I think the movie leads you to believe that he's going to attack, attack Alex, uh, the nurse. Uh, I thought that the movie is in some ways like a really profound movie about grief and about like survivor guilt. Uh, Like because David and his buddy Jack go through a terrible, terrible trauma where one of them is killed and that David kind of, they said that David maybe could have saved him, maybe had no chance to save him. uh, But that David has like guilt, right? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I mean, I think it's definitely a metaphor for grief. And I mean, it's almost like he's changed after the death of his good friend. And in this, he's physically changed into a werewolf. Um, But if, you know, like the visits that he has from his friend who's like slowly decaying and then like in purgatory with like other victims later on of who he's murdered... I mean, it's really powerful and, like, dark. (laughs) It's way darker than you'd think, like, that movie would be. Because whenever people say, like, oh, American Werewolf in London, they say talk about the special effects that are excellent. And then they say, like, oh, it's kind of a comedy, which I I don't think it is that much. Like, it has screwball humor in it, but it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, this movie makes some really bold choices and really, really bold... You know, I mean, like, you know, they have that whole sequence where the Nazi zombie, like, goblin things, like, show up at his family's home and shoot everyone in, like, a dream sequence. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I say it, it sounds ridiculous. But when you're watching the movie, you're like, it kind of works. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. And then, like, you know, then Jack, his friend, is... A, is constantly like decomposing more and more and and 
as the movie goes on. And it kind of looks silly in the last one where he's in the porn theater. But, like, it works, though. It supports the movie really, really interestingly for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think a, a thing that I've said in a previous podcast is, like, when it comes to the creature and special effects, I always prefer to see less. And I don't know if that is true with this movie because he's not a horror element. Like, he's supposed to look grotesque, but he's not the one causing the horror or the scares. And so it's okay to see him in its in his full <laughs> grotesque form. Um, plus, the makeup is just so well done. I mean, yeah, the last one seems like maybe a little over the top, but I, I it's so interesting to stare at it and just like while he's talking you can see the like intricacies of the makeup and the prosthetics that they did and the animation of the mouth though though i feel almost like the movie is shortchanged by it's shortchanged in the talk of the makeup because the makeup is amazing yeah but in a way like the makeup is almost secondary to me to the story like the story is is just as good and the story is amazing so this movie i was like it's a special effects movie okay like you know i'm you know the big dramatic sequence where it's like all practical prosthetics is amazing it's the sequence that i've seen from this movie but the movie elevates it doesn't become gimmicky ever i feel like yeah i i agree with that and i think that's why this movie holds up like story-wise too because you know, it's it's not just like Pumpkinhead where the only like redeeming quality of that movie is like what the monster it looks like or the work that went into that. But, you know, this this movie is actually like really entertaining. It's paced well. It's shot well. I mean, actually, one of my favorite sequences is not as well known or it's not as like talked about is um, when he the werewolf. It's all like POV camera is stalking the sky and the London subway system and it's you know it's just like all these wide shots with the curve of the the subway and the like following the guy and then you know it cuts you never see the werewolf but it cuts immediately from like the guy looking scared like he's going to get attacked by the werewolf immediately to um I think it's like the lion in the zoo yeah and so that's like one of my favorite scenes that is immediately followed by my least favorite scene in that film. <laughs> Where, Which is like running around naked. Yeah. When he like tells the kid he needs his balloons and like, he's like, mommy, some guy stole my balloons and he's naked. Yeah. I yeah. hate that scene. <laughs> I, I hate that whole sequence. Like I felt like they didn't need to explain it. I thought an incredibly powerful, like I thought that like that cut to me, I was watching it on the plane ride to texas and i was just like holy shit like that is such a good cut and it's like not at all what you'd expect it was it's just like comes out left field and on paper it shouldn't work but for some reason it does um and i had experienced that completely alone on my phone watching the movie (laughs) but i i i think that like that next that that sequence too is like what kind of that naked running around London sequence is what takes this movie from what, from the elevation of like Halloween to like something below Halloween. You know what I mean? It, it elevate it's, it, it like 
kind of kills a little bit of the vibe for me. Because if you go straight from that to him showing up and trying to brush it off with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. the it like comes down a little bit in tension, but it's still like rising. Like, what's he going to do? And it kind of plays for laughs there. And I really don't feel like you need that to play for laughs. Yeah, there's a couple parts in the film that it just, they go a little bit too far with like playing for laughs because, you know, I think he's a comedy director and that's what he like likes to do. But I think it was unnecessary in a way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe back then the humor was more appreciated, but I just, I feel the same way you did was like, oh, it just like cuts the tension of like that scene and the, the next scene that follows is really good when he goes back um, and meets up with his girlfriend and he's really like animalistic and hyper and excited and you don't know what's going to happen. And she's trying to get him to go to the hospital and you know, something's going to happen where like, he's going to figure out, like he's going to not want to go. And so, yeah, I just, I agree with you. I think they could have just taken that whole thing out. If I was the editor of this movie, I would have insisted. And I almost guarantee that, like, they told him the direction was to act like a dog. Like, act like a dog who's going to the park. Because that's how he kind of acts. Yeah, like a horny like dog, the, though. Like a horny, <laughs> like a horny hump your leg dog. Yeah. But the sequence there, the sequence with the police officer where he's trying to get arrested. And it's such a weird sequence because you want him to get arrested. But, like, and he, then he kind of like confesses his love for Alex Mm-hmm. and you don't know if it's like his werewolf hormones or what it is but i think it's a really really interesting like again this movie is like an enigma like it like ping pongs back and forth between these two different vibes but it completely like threads the needle yeah yeah i think that's a very astute observation of this movie because i think this is definitely a recommended m- movie um but it doesn't it doesn't get talked about a lot i think when people are talking about horror films and I think that's because it's not really that scary, but right, it's definitely still a horror film, and it's still like the wolf man, man tale. So for sure, and again, like I think it, it the movie is elevated because of its plot and its execution. That John Landis did a really made a really interesting movie. And it's not just about that one special effects scene, which is the only scene that for me that still gets talked about. Yeah. this movie because it's a great one hbo max this is not a commercial for hbo max right well no that it's on hbo max (laughs) bye